And the team at Young Pro, we give you part three of understanding the CLOX process. In this podcast, we go over our process of calling someone to a full commitment to Jesus Christ. This is part three of understanding the CLOCKS process. Welcome back to the Young Pro Podcast. Today we are finishing up our third and final episode in the Understanding the CLOCKS process mini-series. Last episode we looked at the reach part of our process, and if you're looking at it through the eyes of a participant, that they may have came in through a C-level event, maybe a sycamore dinner or a taco Tuesday and then maybe the next thing they were invited to was a, was a men's event with a, like a low-key testimony or maybe a, a Lord's Day. And then after that, they're, they're intentionally invited by, by someone that was in the YPO to a, a Bible study where they've been going for a couple of weeks. And now they're at this point where you think they might be able to be called to something else. So this, this introduces our, our two call locks. And with that, Mike, what is the goal of lock three? Good question, Travis. Um, the... Uh... The key thing is a kind of adult uh, conversion. If you think of um, what you are as a seven-year-old, you just entered the age of reason. You don't have your identity sorted out. You don't have the big issues of life uh, in mind even yet. Uh, You can give your life to the Lord. But that's not adulthood yet. Mm -hmm. So there's an ongoing kind of conversion that goes on for anybody who started off really as a Christian. Um, in part, it's because their brain hasn't developed fully yet. Right. Um, so what we're looking at here is either an ongoing or an initial, whether it's an initial or a conversion for someone who's never heard the gospel before, or it's ongoing conversion, you're looking for an adult conversion that's appropriate for someone who is in their 20s. Uh, you know, every culture looks at 18 as something starts to happen in your brain there that didn't happen before. It's why they get Mm -hmm. related to as adults in a way that they didn't before. It's why after puberty, you start relating to boys and girls differently than you do when they're children. These things are just part of natural uh, reality. It's part of the spiritual reality as well. So we're looking for adult conversion. Great. And I guess so. This is this is the call process. How how is this? Uh, how is the call given? What are what are some of the ways that, that you've seen this really successful in this? Sure. Uh, first, I think it's defining the call. Let's define the call as a call to give your life to Christ as Lord and Savior. Mm. That's one way to put it. To accept Jesus into your heart. There's a bunch of different ways oh, sure. you can you, sure. you can describe it. But it all amounts to the same kind of thing which is a choice not just to have a God experience, but to get into a kind of particular relationship with Christ as Lord and Savior. So part of the call has to be presenting, uh, presenting that message. We'd also include uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the full release of the Holy Spirit. Again, call it what you want, but it is that quantum leap that happens when the Holy Spirit is really released into your adult life. 
uh, and, and equips you to live the Christian life at a, at a level that you haven't been able to before. So that's the, the, the content. Uh, that's what you're, you're looking for in terms of uh, conversion. Uh, how do we present those things? I, I, generally, I'd say it, it happens mostly in a, uh, the way that we tend to do it is in a, uh, a context versus one-on-one. But you can do it one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I've, I've met with people, talked with people, presented the gospel, and they say, can I give my life to the Lord? And you go, yeah, let's do it. And I'll pray with you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit while we're at it. And <laughs> it happens. And you go, wow, that's really good. That isn't the most typical way, but we need to be ready for those right. and, and pray for those. They're, they're fun. <laughs> Um, but then there's the other ones, which are much more like uh, an event, um, a Life in the Spirit seminar, an Alpha course, a Fan into the Flame. Those are the things that people are, are, are quite uh, familiar with. And those are set up for calling forth exactly this kind of a response, accept the Lord, receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There are other ones that might be more like ongoing, where you're presenting parts of that and you're getting people to make step by step by step by step kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the key things that we have seen is that, that that real accepting of Christ as Lord and that real receiving of the Holy Spirit generally come better in a weekend context where you're presenting exactly that and you're helping people to respond to exactly that, mm-hmm. not just something like a deeper God experience, mm-hmm. all of which is good. Yeah. And, and something about these environments that maybe to respond solely or mostly focused on uh, not just the experience but the, the actual conversion is, is something that you, you, you edge towards having a charismatic light, uh, go, like going for a charismatic light. How, what, what exactly is charismatic light? Sure, in this sure. So charismatic light meetings would have less of the, the things that would be more troublesome, problematic, off-putting those kinds of things. Let me give you a couple examples. So so um, uh, one would be the kind of Christian jargon you use. You know, talking yeah. about the gospel, talking about the Bible, talking about the fact that Jesus saves our souls. Mm-hmm. They've probably got that in their language category somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have what we're entering into is a covenant with the Lord? You go, what's a covenant? Right. No idea. Right. So you've got to always make it... Uh, uh, understandable to your audience in terms of the way that you use words. The word the use of, of word gifts. Um, the prophetic word varies quite a bit from something that is easily heard and received. God loves us. God wants us to, to know him. That's a lot easier than saying, you know, one of the uh, darker words of mm-hmm. the world that we're living in is rejecting the Lord, uh, you know, and, yeah. you know, pounding on the world, which, yes, that is true. Right. But it's not really appropriate for this kind of meeting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. what I mean by, by charismatic light. Or the kind of talks that you, you give. You're really focusing on the goodness of God, God's love for you, what God's done for you, and how you respond to it, rather than, is gay marriage Okay. Why is, you know, would you bring in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, homosexuality or uh, deliverance into a talk that's in trying to have someone respond just simply to the gospel? Well, no, you wouldn't. And that's what I mean by charismatic light, because full-on charismatic, you could be talking about deliverance. Yes, of course, you might want to do that. You might talk about why is this, uh, this sinful in the eyes of God? 
charismatic light talking about the existence of evil? Yeah, everybody believes in that. Mm. It's easy to access that. A list of, you know, sins, you go, eh, I probably wouldn't go there. Right. Not a charismatic light. Mm. So. so just making it more palatable, making it more easy to accept, uh, kind of having an entrance ramp on boards that are just throwing someone right in that that is going to have something that's they're not ready to accept yet. Absolutely. You don't want to confuse your audience. You don't mm. want to put your audience off. On the other hand, you do want to confront your audience. Yeah. So mm. the question is, that's what I mean by charismatic light. Gotcha. Okay. What, uh, what's the time frame for usually these call events or these call programs? Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah. The um, a set of them, I mean, like Life in the Spirit Seminar has seven talks. You can do it in six. You can... Do it over uh, four weeks and then a weekend. You, you design it so that you give the amount of material that's necessary for people to make the response that you're looking for. Hmm. How long is that? Well, however long it is for you to present that material. If you're presenting that one-on-one to someone, you may be able to cover a lot of territory quite quickly hmm. because they don't have questions about this. They don't have questions about that. They have this question and this question. You answer those kinds of questions and they go, yeah, I'm... You know, do you, do you understand what I'm talking about here in terms of the role that Christ can play in your life? Yeah, I, I want that. Well, let's right. pray that. Mm. You go, wow, that was quick. I, now, <laughs> I'd probably have to go through like the Spirit Seminar again anyway. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, so how long is it? It's whatever needs to fit, uh, what time frame you need in order to be able to deliver the, the message to which you're expecting them to respond. Great. Great. Well, hallelujah for conversions. Now, but now what? We've got 12... Newly converted young professionals, and now we're we're in lock four, right? Informal discipleship. What 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 does that mean? Uh, yeah, <laughs> informal. Let, let me define formal discipleship first, because sure. then it'll be easier to back off to yeah. what does informal discipleship uh, uh, look like. Uh, formal discipleship would be where you actually um, have decided I really want to become a disciple, and I can't get there on my own. I get there because someone who knows more than me is mentoring me in uh, the faith and giving me guidance on how to become a better Christian. Uh, I'm part of a a support group, a men's group or a women's group, where we talk openly and honestly about how we're progressing in the faith. Uh, And I made a commitment to it. I made a formal Mm -hmm. commitment to belong to this thing. I see why I want to belong to it. And the other people are, are committed uh, to me as well as I'm committed to them. That's formal discipleship. Mm-hmm. And it usually has a, here are the kinds of things we are trying to accomplish mentality about it. Um, most people, when they get baptized in the Spirit, don't walk out of the room and go, okay, now where do I get formal discipleship? I am <laughs> looking for it. I know I need to become one, and I need a mentor, and I need a men's group, and I need, a, you know, I need to go through all the, the basics of Christianity and get all the stuff in place. They don't do that. So this informal discipleship period in some ways is meant, it's a transitional period where you're trying to bring someone who's made this, had this initial uh, conversion uh, step in place to getting them into the place where they say, and now I actually want formal discipleship. How do you get that in place? Well, you win them uh, in, a, in the process. Um, they need to experience it informally first. Mm. Good mentorship, they're going to come back from war. A good men's group, they're going to come back from war. Uh, a, a good environment, they're going to come back from war. They'll see themselves being transformed, they'll come back from war. And then you can do uh, bring them up into a, uh, a formal discipleship. I've, I've heard from a couple of people now that this is one of the hardest transitions in this whole process. 
Is that true? And if, if it is, why, why is that? Uh, yeah, I do think it is one of the toughest ones. Uh, they're all can be challenging. One of the reasons why this is is uh, uh, difficult, Let, let's go right back to the locks image, uh, give mm-hmm. that image first. So mm-hmm. the early locks at sea level, they tend to be, uh, you know, you can still see the land on either side of you. You have a sense of where you are. The boat has to travel, you know, maybe a half mile to get to the next lock, then it goes up. This is one of those locks where you you're looking at a gate that is really high. Mm. The walls are really high. It's kind of like you could get a certain kind of claustrophobia because you're not sure I'm ready to make this commitment. There's a fear element uh, Mm. in a short lock with high walls that there isn't in a real long one with low walls. You see where you are, you see where you're going, et cetera, et cetera. The trust may not be there. The relationship may not be there. The what am I getting myself into issue may be significant. Many people like the God experience. Mm-hmm. The God experience is generally just always good. <laughs> yes. But once they start to see there's real demands now that this Jesus as mm-hmm. Lord is possibly going to make on me regarding my the kind of friends I have and what I do with them, my sexuality, how I use my time, they start to see, oh, this is... This is what it's going to cost in reality in this in this period as they start to see this stuff unfold. So they actually really need uh, need help to be able to get to the place where they can make a commitment. Uh, we live in a world that is just totally scared of commitments because they see how many fail. And that's usually because they're not actually prepared very well to make a commitment. We just mm-hmm. demand it right now. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, right, that's not good. But you never really get much anything unless you get committed to it. You know, it's like sports. I like basketball, football, wrestling, volleyball, you know, all of them. I want to play them all, all the time. And you go, well, good luck at getting good at golf if what you're doing is you're playing all the sports all the time. Right. You've got to be committed to something to get good at it. But that's that's not popular in the world today. So obviously there's a, there's no easy fix to these problems, and, and maybe this will be a topic that we can, we can jump back into in a more depth analysis later. But briefly, what have you seen work in this transition? Right. Okay. So again, uh, let's go back to the chart. Uh, the chart gives you uh, goals, two goals for this particular uh, lock. One is um, deepening conversion. The second one is a call to formal discipleship. The first goal, what I mean by deepening conversion is there's a work of grace that you're looking to have happen after the Life in the Spirit seminar when people are uh, experiencing the power of God and it's helping them to get a set of things in place. Mm -hmm. Prayer, scripture reading, fellowship, those things transform their lives. Um, And as people overcome their fears and they win battles, they will see this really works for me. So that's the first thing you're trying to do, is to get that to happen in this phase. The second one is you're going to then call them into formal discipleship. Mm. And calling people into formal discipleship is dependent on a couple things. One is you actually have a place to do it. So you have something like a formation community. Call it whatever you will, but you have a place that you're saying... This is being put on by this community, and it's about this, etc. You have to have that place in mind. Second, it is a, it's going to be led by a set of people who are probably not real familiar with mm. 
the people that you, you have in your men's group. So you have to get them into a place where they know each other. Right. And one of the best ways of doing that, invite them into your men's group. Have them talk about how did you get prayer working in your life? Um, how did you make this big decision? Get them familiar with them. Maybe even had them all the way back in doing some of the Life in the Spirit seminars again, one of the speakers. Hmm. But you develop that kind of relationship with them. Uh, and then the, the last part of it, or the key part about it, is you actually issue a formal call to take a step further, hmm. to move on up, to join the formation community. You say, this is what it means, this is what it looked like. That comes best in a formal uh, environment of some sort, like a retreat or uh, a Saturday morning, or something where you're saying, this is the next step, we're going to present that to you and give you uh, time to respond and choose to move on. So that lock four isn't a place where people rest, it's really a place where you're trying to transition people from mm -hmm. lock four into lock five. That's great, yeah, I think, I think that's, it's going to be pretty helpful just uh, moving forward. Anybody setting up their uh, IPO or, or some new ones starting out? I know Lansing just thinking future in the future. What happens when we get some of these people that are ready for formal discipleship and, and putting these type of retreats into place? I think is going to be key uh, for them and just for, for all YPOs out there moving forward is to have some of these things already in place. Uh, but that that's a wrap for this mini-series. And looking forward a couple of weeks from now, we are, we're going to be wrapping up for for this, this first season of Young Pro. And this season has mainly been about giving you the basic elements of running a young professional outreach. That if you have these core basic understandings, intentional love, uh, the CLOX process, on the young professional reality, if you have these in place, if you've heard this training material, you should be able to start a young professional outreach. Or if you're already in one, you should have a greater understanding of how to go forward. And, and that, that's, that's going to wrap up at the end of April, and then we'll be moving, moving on to something else, uh, a little bit more information on that going forward. But until then, Mike, thanks for, thanks, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you.